0: When I was seven, I wanted to go to Hogwarts. Every night after reading Harry Potter with my parents, I would lie awake in bed and wait for an owl to come flying through my window with an invitation to J.K. Rowling's school of witchcraft and wizardry clasped firmly in its claws. I watched the Harry Potter movies over and over and over to practice my British accent until I sounded like a proper Hogwarts student. I rewrote all the novels to include my name, not Hermione's, in (laughs) dangerous escapades alongside Harry and Ron. I even told two fifth graders who were picking on me on the bus that I would get my friend Draco Malfoy to beat them up. (laughs) Needless to say, that did not help the situation. (laughs) Disregard the fact that I was not 11, the proper age for a first-year Hogwarts student, and definitely disregard the fact that Hogwarts was not real. Inside my massive imagination, anything was possible, and I had never wanted anything more in my life than to go to Hogwarts. Eventually, though, I stopped waiting and wishing for the Hogwarts letters to come. I told myself fewer stories of slaying basilisks and more stories of scoring the game-winning soccer goal or earning a respectable education or dating that hot guy in English class. I guess you could say, I moved on. Ten years later though, a new dream formed. A dream that, though I didn't realize it at the time, was paralleled only by my overwhelming desire to go to Hogwarts. When I was 17, my parents took me on one of those classic long distance college tour road trips. And we decided to have a little fun and stop at an Ivy League university. Don't get me wrong, I intended to apply to an Ivy League university. I had good grades. I'd done my research, and I thought I'd give it a shot. It wasn't till I stood on the campus, though, that I felt my heart race, my breath stop, my eyes widen at the thought of attending. Staring up at the buildings of Yale University in New Haven, Connecticut, I knew I had found my Hogwarts. Now, as I submitted my application, nervously interviewed and anything but patiently waited, I was not thinking about the parallels between my high school dream and my elementary school fantasies. Looking back, though, I can't help but realize how similar the two really are. The old stone buildings of Yale exhibited a sense of power, prestige, and exclusivity, just like the buildings of Hogwarts. (laughs) The courtyards and common areas spoke of camaraderie and friendship and late-night conversations. Just like the common rooms of Hogwarts housed many a conversation between Harry, Ron, and Hermione about the newest Voldemort development, the resident halls competed against each other in various tournaments to try and win the coveted Ting Cup. Just like the four houses in Hogwarts competed against each other to win the House Cup. I have yet to find the moving staircase, but I'm sure it's in there too. I mean, just look at it. It's certainly more like Hogwarts than a bunch of brick buildings are. Now, the pictures of Yale recalled the pictures of Hogwarts that I so vividly remembered. The feelings of being in those spaces placed a thumbprint on my mind that matched the prints left by years of magical dreams. It wasn't until I was standing on the streets and staring at the buildings, though, that I got a feeling of the connection, the longing, The desire is so strong, I had to struggle to contain it. But why? The answer lies in the architecture. Because the buildings of Yale looked so much like the buildings of Hogwarts, I naturally associated that same friendship and adventure and excellence and mysteriously plausible impossibility that Hogwarts had always promised me. Had I never encountered Hogwarts, I might not have developed such an active imagination an imagination crucial to my someday profession of architect had i never dreamed of applying i might not have applied to yale and um, learned to rely on god and hope and plan and in failure seeing the impact that one building had on me i started to wonder how has nc state impacted me now you'd think as a student majoring in architecture i would have thought about that sooner After all, I was almost halfway through my time here, and I studied for hours the effects that Buddhist temples or Christian churches had on me. How had I never wondered for once what my surroundings did to me? At any rate, when I finally did pick my head up out of those books on famous buildings of 17th-century Europe, this is what I saw. This is my dorm room. This is the view that I, like many of you, wake up to every single morning. In this fine piece of architecture, all of my belongings are 20 feet from my head, as is another living, breathing human being in all of her belongings. Now, I'm generally a pretty private person. I like to spread my things out all over the nearest flat surface, turn my music up loud, and dance around like I'm the next pop sensation or something. Here, I don't do that. I can't. In the only piece of personal space offered me by my university, I am forced to either interact with another person or. Constantly wonder if she'll come walking through the door at any moment and stare awkwardly while I try to explain whatever that unfortunate dance move I was just attempting was. (laughs) The strange social interactions don't stop there, though. I shower here. I brush my teeth here. I do my laundry here, where the occasional undergarment falls out in front of some random stranger. I study here. I eat here, or maybe here. Gone, too, are the days when I flail about doing kickboxing DVDs in my own home because now I do it here, where not only can a dozen other people see me, but I can see myself, as if I needed the reminder that I'm not the coordinated fierce Beyonce I like to tell myself I am. (laughs) Perhaps college is so public for money-saving reasons. After all, it's more efficient to cram more people into one space, you have to spend less money on building larger facilities, right? The architecture of NC State and college in general forces us outside our comfort zones. With almost no truly private spaces, we as students must explore. We explore our surroundings, but as we sit in our dorm rooms or our dining halls or our libraries, we explore something greater. We explore society, social norms, and who we are in the greater context of people milling about us. We begin to question and redefine our very identities, all because our buildings refuse to let us sit alone and pretend like a bigger world does not exist outside our windows. I can't ignore that the experiences that have changed the unsure, introverted girl I used to be into the slightly more confident and conversationalist woman I am today were facilitated by that same architecture that denies me my personal space. Architecture is more than a classic building or a pretty facade. College architecture proclaims that a university's goals lie not just in teaching students from textbooks, but also in teaching them from themselves and from each other. The dictionary defines architecture as buildings, open areas, communities, and other artificial constructions. What an in adequate description. It fails to recognize how architecture inspires dreams and forces friendships and makes us face our vulnerability. Architecture possesses the power to draw us to it for comfort in our sadness and celebration in our exuberance. It is both an expression of our beliefs, our ideas, our emotions, and a powerful influence on those same things. It is more than a blueprint. It lives, it breathes, it has motives. Every day, we pass through dozens of spaces, and every day, each of those spaces impacts our moods, our thoughts, our decisions. They impact every moment of our lives, including those pivotal moments that make up the core of who we are. Pivotal moments like the formation of lifelong dreams. I may not be at Yale, and trust me, God knew what he was doing when he sent me here instead of there and I certainly may not be at Hogwarts. But there is no doubt in my mind that those two schools, one real, one fictional, taught me to dream, in no small part because of dungeons and moving staircases, of residence halls and towering stone walls. And now I bring that dream here, to my studio. Here, in this privacy-free, extremely social setting, characteristic of university architecture, I make my own fantastical realm. I learn what it is about a space that touches our souls, and I learn to make structures that induce feelings and desires and attitudes. I learn how to interact with my peers and communicate with others. With almost no walls to separate my crumbling project from the successful brilliance on another's desk, I am forced to wonder, how did they do that? The architecture brings us together to bond, and to learn from each other. And perhaps, someday, I will make my own space that inspires a little girl's imagination to grow, or calls thousands of students to define themselves or their society. Perhaps, I will make my own Hogwarts. So next time you're sitting at that rickety wooden desk at work, and maybe at that restaurant that you visit every Wednesday. Look up. Observe the space around you. Listen to the whispers of the walls. What do they tell you? Thank you.